Welcome to the podcast. We do recover with Jared Miller, your host. And I'm Dr. Terry Sellers, your co-host. This is a podcast about recovery from addiction. We want to talk about what successful recovery can look like. Brought to you by Sups Recovery Center, Rise Up Sups, and the St. George Hilton Garden Inn. All right, listeners. I think I need to get turned. There it is. There it is, baby. That's why we do oh. a mic check. Beautiful, yeah, beautiful, yeah. man. I think the uh, I think the engineer in here has fallen asleep today. <laughs> well, or he's, or he's tinkered too much. One of those two. He's always improving the studio, yeah, we got, and we got we're under construction, happening. but we're still wanting to get an episode out. Welcome to episode one forty four. It is Super Bowl weekend. For those of you listening to this, I hope that you have some fun, sober plans, maybe a safety plan if you're early in recovery, to get through Super Bowl weekend. If you are in treatment, please know Monday morning they will test you because it is Super Bowl weekend, right? You can guarantee your color's coming. Yep. All right. I'm excited for today's episode. Before I get to that, though, a couple things. I've been thinking we have some resources and ways for for our listeners to reach out to us. A couple of the things that we would love to hear back from you guys to be able to connect with you is what topics would you like me and the doc to cover? We've covered several different topics in the past. We've done done one on fatal fentanyl. We've done topics around organ uh, decriminalizing possession charges. We've done topics around medication assisted treatment we like a lot of a lot of really good education and information stuff if you're interested in hearing us cover a topic a doctor who's board certified in addiction medicine a substance abuse counselor getting our perspective please reach out to us uh you can email us at we do recover with jared miller at gmail or you can call us and leave us a voicemail at 435-574-9477 I realize I should probably slow down. Are you uh, did you have a little bit too much of the uh, mind shift? Mind shift this morning. <laughs> mind shift. <laughs> We're gonna get to that. We're gonna get to that. Oh, okay. Also, if you want to email us your story of recovery or your thoughts of gratitude, we would love to be able to read those on the podcast. We recognize that not everybody can come to St. George, Utah, to tell their story. So reach out to us. Uh, get in touch with us. Again, you can reach us at We Do Recover with Jared Miller at Gmail. Or you can call and leave us a voicemail at 435-574-9477. Awesome. We, we also, also appreciate... Can I just point this out real quick? Sit down along those lines. So also, if you want to come on and tell your story, we'd love to hear from you. Like we, we'll, we will take requests for guests. Absolutely. So, yeah, hook, just give us a call, give us an email, and we'll uh, get you on the podcast. One last little thing. We have a thing called a Facebook page in today's world. If you would, go to our Facebook page and leave us a review. We would love to, to get a review, to hear from you. So today, Doc, I'm pretty excited. Do we have a MySpace page? <laughs> you, just, you, got, you got to forgive Doc. I'm He's old. a little old. I'm old. We We're bringing MySpace. him into the 21st century I'm here. old. Love MySpace. So, Doc, <laughs> without any further ado, I, I'm going to introduce our guest here. Okay. Have you seen the show Yellowstone? I have. Are you talking to me? Yes, yeah, I, I have for sure. Every single episode. So the loved guest, it, loved it, loved it. The guest, or sorry, the character Beth Dutton. Yeah, okay. Is based on her really? personality and really? her character is based on our guest today, Bree Dutton. <laughs> wow. She actually gave her like tips and acting. Yeah, I'll bet. Like, yeah, if you that's know, a little bit of a wildfire, isn't she? What? No way. Yeah, the character Beth is, so we wait, can't wait to see what Bree's got to say. Bree Dutton, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. The Duttons do what they want, I think. That's what I heard. That's right. Yeah, buddy. All right, before we get to Bree's story, uh, we're also probably going to have to have her get up a little bit more on the mic. We are going to show a little love to our sponsors. Episode 144, part one, is brought to us by Steps Recovery Centers. Steps Recovery Centers is ready to help you or a loved one get help. Just reach out to them. You can give them a call at 801-800-8142 or visit their website at stepsrc.com. A couple things that make Steps a little bit different. We do not do a cookie cutter one size fits all. You will get a substance abuse or mental health evaluation by a licensed professional and placed at the accurate level of care for you, which that's pretty important because not, we've talked about this before, not everybody has to go to a residential type setting, right? So... 
If you're interested in getting some help, reach out to Steps Recovery Centers. We appreciate them sponsoring this podcast. It is also brought to us by Rise Up Supplements. Rise Up Supplements is a nootropic line aimed at optimizing brain function and supporting mental health. It's basically supplements for the brain. They got two powerful blends. Mindful Mood helps decrease anxiety and enhance mood, while MindShift helps increase focus and optimize brain function. Place your order today at riseupsubs.com. That's R-I-S-E-U-P-S, U-P-S dot C-O-M. At checkout, punch in podcast 20 in all caps to save yourself 20% off. All right. Okay. Go ahead, Doc. Where do we go from here? What do you got? Well, uh, how about you uh, do a little new and good? Oh, man, my new and good. You want me to do it? Yeah, kick us off. All right. Well, new, well, I, I didn't mean I was going to start. I meant I could introduce the topic, but um, we do have a little thing on this podcast where we talk about new and goods. And so uh, today, new and goods. I am, I'll start. I have, um, I came down yesterday, played golf this morning, which was great. It's a little cold in St. George, by the way. You guys are not, it's not bright and sunny in St. George right now, but it's been raining um, for days. Yeah, I got to play golf. Uh, and then the other new and good is I've been working on a business that uh, I think is going to be really cool and maybe even make me some money. So that would be good. Maybe they'd be interested like in doing money. a sponsorship. We they would for sure be interested in, do, interested in doing a sponsorship. They just need to make some money first. Very nice. All right. Well, let's not make Brigo next because that's, that's rude. What's no good in your world? It is Super Bowl weekend, and I am oh, excited yeah. about the Super Bowl. I got the 49ers winning it over Patrick Mahomes' Chiefs. Mm, Patrick I, Mahomes doesn't lose Super Bowls. I, hey, there's some truth to that, but I am really excited to have some fun this weekend, watch some football. Yeah, just enjoy the weekend, man. Okay, remember, you're getting drug tested Monday. I know. I plan, okay. I fully plan on it. All yep. Right, stay clean. Stay sober. Yep. Bree, what's new and good in your world? That was loud. Sorry. <laughs> Didn't oh. mean to yell at you. <laughs> hey, don't yell in front of all these nice people. No, uh, my new and good. I just bought a house. Oh, that so is humongous. That, that's huge for me. Well, that's really huge. As much as I don't like moving, like it's pretty awesome to finally get there. And yeah. Big goal. That's cool. Crushed. Yeah, yes. that's super cool. Good. It, it's just so cool Like when we have those cornerstone moments in life like that, right? I remember, like, when me and Mandy bought our house, I was like, holy cow, I'm adulting. Right. I have a house. Right. This is crazy. Yeah. Pretty big step. It's a big step. Sean doesn't have a microphone, so we're not going to ask him what's new and good. He can just yell over there or something. Yeah. Scream at us, Everything's fine. There you go. (laughs) Thanks for asking. Eeyore's in the corner, so... Here we go. So All right. we got Bree Dutton here in studio. Yeah. Not Beth Dutton. Don't get it confused. Yeah. Uh, Bree Dutton. Bree, I have the opportunity to work with Bree. And just something to, to share before she t- tells us her story of recovery is, man, Bree is an amazing individual. Working at Steps, I think that our whole operations at Outpatient would come to a screaming halt if it wasn't for Bree Dutton. She's mm. the grease and the glue. She really is. She's she's amazing. I how can you be grease and glue? That's a pretty, whatever whatever's wow. needed. I'm right? Whatever you are, everything. That's right. So right. I have officially introduced Bree. Bree, sounds like you have a story of recovery. Somewhat. Yeah. Maybe. Where does that start? Yeah. Tell us about Bree. Tell us about Bree. Um, hmm. Where'd you grow up? I grew up in Vegas. Okay. Born and raised there. Okay. Um, pretty. Early on in life, I went through a lot of trauma. I had a lot of abuse, um, sexual and everything from an uncle mm. that went on for a while. Um, and, like, that's a traumatic experience, but no one ever really brings up the fact, like, when it all came out, it was almost more traumatic for me mm. because I got uprooted. My mom wanted to move us to a different town. I had to move friends. I had to start everything all over. How old were you when it came out? I was nine okay. when everything came out. Okay. And then we moved away. And like that was that was a lot for me. So That's I didn't lot. really know how to process all those emotions. And Did it seem like a punishment that you had to move for something you didn't do? It all just kind of seemed like a punishment. punishment. Okay. Like, sure. while I was in it, as horrible as it was, it was my normal. It was normal for it you. It was normal. Right. I still had my friends. I still went to school. I did, still did all these things. And then and then all of a sudden, everything's gone. Mm-hmm. 
and that was that was pretty intense for me and I just kind of shut down came a little more definitely a guarded kid you know um I acted we ended up moving to Kanab Utah where I spent the pretty much the remainder um and like I got along with everybody I was really outgoing but I was always kind of hiding always wearing a mask um I didn't want anything, anybody to know anything about me. Sure, always afraid somebody would find out that. Just anything. Like, right. I, I, I'll be whatever you need me to be. Mm. And I just wore that mask for so long. Mm. Um, Such a hard mask. Yeah. Thank you for being willing to, to yeah. share that, right? Like, I mean, we're like, where does it start? And you're like, oh, <laughs> my, the age. I got sexually I got abused. Sexually abused. Yeah. Like, man. Let me tell you in. about my tales of woe. You know, <laughs> I, I like, that's that. where it I starts. I do, you know? too. Listen, more people need it. This, I don't, the word I want to say is we need to normalize this, but we don't. We need to normalize being able to talk about it and not have people have to feel guilty and hide about it. That's the thing. And I think that goes out, like, the way, the how open you are is... Super healthy. Right. Well, and I love the the saying, you know, trauma dies when shared in safe spaces. Mm-hmm. You know, so trauma. Yeah, thank you. Trauma dies. Yeah. Trauma That's lives right. in the dark and dies in the light. Right. Yeah. So, way way to go. So move to Kanab, Utah, move the to big Kanab. town of Kanab. Yep. Big town pride. Yeah. <laughs> those of you town. outside of Utah, Kanab is tiny. Yeah. Uh, Particularly Kanab, if you Cowboys. just move from Vegas, like Vegas is a pretty big town. So my very first day at school in Kanab, someone rode a horse and had it tied up oh, at the bike oh, at yes. the bike post, and I was oh, like, yes. "Where did where, I move? Yes. <laughs> like, what I'm is just, happening? I can't just moved be back. here." She moved back to the Yellowstone days. Yeah. Right? Yeah. This is where Yellowstone <laughs> started. Here, here this this is where Beth yep. came from. This yep. is where Beth came from. <laughs> Absolutely. That's funny. All right. So school in Kanab. School in Kanab. Um, I did really well for the time being. I was part of the drill team. I did track. I played. I did band. I was part of the educational talent search. Like I just. Wow. I. She's the glue and the grease. <laughs> I did anything I could to stay just distracted. Um, Do you have brothers and sisters? I have one older brother okay. and then two half-brothers that okay. I didn't know about. When you, when you moved from Vegas to Kanab, who, what was your family at that point? Me, my brother, and my mom. Okay. Yeah. Parents were divorced? Yes. Or never married? I don't know. Yeah. I don't Parents know. were divorced. Okay. Uh, a year after moving to Kanab, my mom met my stepdad. Okay. And, and he's still in the picture now. And okay. he's been my dad and my glue. and. Good. It's been really good. Awesome. Took a when while. You, when you say anything to stay busy, it sounds like that was kind of your first coping skill was... Yeah. Distraction. Go, go, go. Distraction. Yeah. Um, I I needed to stay busy or I needed to stay in chaos. Now, when you said that when it came out, right, when this, when this came out and, and uh, you shared this, was there any therapy? Did mom dad family anybody say hey let's get you some professional help they did put me in therapy i started in therapy but it also felt like a punishment oh. like oh, everything sure. to a kid that could feel like punishment. i'm just huh? like why do i have and they would call me out of class oh. and like so people oh. so I'm, uh, it would, oh. all of it just felt so you have to like slither first. out of class and right. hope people aren't looking at you and, oh, yeah. that's and horrible just, that's and bad. I wasn't ready to talk about it I wasn't ready to really face anything I just tried to block that part out um, and so yeah go, it, all of it just felt like a huge punishment like everything changed my whole life was uprooted um, fast forward and getting into high school um, like I said, I was pretty outgoing, did a lot of things. Um, I got injured uh, on the drill team. Riding your horse to school? I never rode the horse. <laughs> okay. I'm scared of horses. <laughs> so this is not the town to be in. But, uh, yeah. I. So you were on the drill team? I was on the drill team. How'd you hurt yourself? Uh, just dancing around. <laughs> Just dancing. Okay. Tell me you were on, no. Tell me you built like this giant human pyramid and fell off the top. You know, I was dropped once off you? the pyramid. Yes, oh, absolutely. Yeah. If I know Bree, they weren't even doing a drill. It wasn't. And Bree was dancing around and tripped over somebody's bag right. and shattered her entire vertebrae. That's what I said. Just dancing around. No, I messed up my whole knee. And yes, that was uh, that was the situation. One hundred percent. 
and one, you know, we didn't have cell phones back in high school. They didn't have those yet. So I went back to hanging. How old are you? I'm 37. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I didn't. We didn't have cell phones till I was like 49 years old. I got yeah, my I sur- first cell phone my senior year. Of high yeah, school. my senior yeah. year yeah. was when I got mine. Um, but I hung out with old friends because I wasn't a part of the drill team anymore. They were busy practicing, and those friends happened to be into drugs. Um, mm. So one night I smoked weed. The next night I drank for the first time, and it was just off to the races after that. Did you fall asleep during the dare classes? Is that what happened? No. You know, they have dare classes. Don't do drugs, right? Yeah. Or Smokey the Bear, or oh wait, that's no. somebody different. Um, Smokey yeah. the Bear. <laughs> Smokey the Bear. Isn't Smokey like the Smokey the Dare? Not no, he's guy? not the joint Smoke, guy. Oh, he's not the Smokey's the don't <laughs> okay. don't light forest fires guy. Yeah. Oh, I thought Come he was on. the don't do drugs guy. No. So, okay, so you you right, you start using drugs recreationally. Not an uncommon thing on this podcast. Weird. Right. How, like how old were you at that point? Did, senior I was year. Sixteen. Okay, 16. So junior year? Yeah. Okay. What what type of substances were you introducing to your body? Um, I smoked weed, and I drank, and then I would do a lot of over-the-counter medications. I became like the little... Uh, Test bunny that everyone would be like, try this. Oh, you're like Mikey. You Mikey likes it? Yeah. <laughs> Mikey will try it. Yeah, okay. So yeah. what? like what over-the-counter medications? Um... I mostly did like quercetin, like, like okay, and robo tripping. Robo, okay. yeah, robo. the robo. So recreational stuff, right? I'm sure that you still were involved in school and still had like social support and stuff, or were you? Did you just turn into chemical dependency right off the bat? I went to chemical dependency right off the bat. You're serious right now? Yeah. Really? So Good within, go, so I went from like a straight A student, did that, and then within nine. Ten months, I had nine charges. Wow. Um, I had dropped out of high school, and I OD'd and got put into a program for my senior year. I was like in a Wait-ish. funny mood, and that has passed. <laughs> yeah, way to, way to dive into something full force. Yeah, Man. I go big or go home. Yeah, right. So you're, I not, wasn't you're not going to dabble. Yeah, you're no, gonna we just... didn't dabble. I went right. hard. Right. Um, and that's such an early age in life and human development, right? Like high school. How'd you catch your first charge? Like what was it, and how did that happen? Uh, I believe the first charge was smoking underage. Okay. And I had a couple of those. I had a couple of shoplifting, and I had a lot of public intoxs. But yeah, within 10 months, I had overdosed, and they put me, they locked me up for my senior year. And Mm. then I went into Proctor Care. Senior year is supposed to be fun. So Proctor Care. So foster care is like when your parents mess up and you go into the system. Proctor care is when you mess up and go into the system. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't even know that existed. Yeah, yeah, so when the kids mess up, not you the liar. parents, you get pulled out. Wow. Wow. So did that... What? Yeah, how did your family take that? What was your family's response to you did, getting caught and getting... I mean, at that point, I think they away. were just really overwhelmed and mm. kind of relieved that um, you got that it, something happened you got caught yeah okay um they knew you were using yeah okay those were a couple you, of my public intoxes were my parents turning me in so, oh really? yeah. good parents yeah uh, many parents won't turn their kids in because they're afraid oh my gosh they'll go to jail i have right. a feeling right? that that isn't where the substance abuse stopped though no. What? So you, you become incarcerated, go into proctor care. Uh, at that time, you're just doing, like, over-the-counter stuff. You're doing marijuana, drinking. Okay. What does that turn into? What does that look like fast forward? Fast forward. Um, so I got about two years clean in that program. I, I was able to graduate high school. I went back and walked with my class. Sweet. And did all the good things. Met a guy. Uh oh. Here we go. <laughs> met Here a guy. we go. Met a um, guy. Every story starts with know, met a guy. Met a guy. Bree's real drug of choice. Had 50 yeah. children. A man. A man. Had 50 children. <laughs> Two litters. <laughs> Not all at once, yeah. Yeah, no. Uh, no, met him. He was 
using and you know used recreationally but we had met through high school and we ended up getting married pretty quickly um i i think i was had it was right before i turned 19 and i got married after i graduated the program and really shortly after was pregnant and um stayed clean through all that i wasn't using with him at the time fast forward he he ended up killing someone in self-defense um your husband oh jeez mm-hmm. yeah in a home invasion and when i found out about that i it wasn't released whether he had died or the other person had died um, you knew somebody was, was dead but you didn't know whether it was your husband or not right because um, it was a gang affiliation and i went to the hospital with a panic attack like i and sure. okay they put me on xanax oh good for them what a brilliant decision that was <laughs> so that became my cure-all yeah. um I dove really, really hard into drug addiction after that um, with prescription pills and drugs. Um, I still. I think, think, sorry, I'm going to pause you for a sec. I think Xanax may have been appropriate in that setting. Well, sure it was. Right? Like, I I feel like somebody who goes through a huge traumatic thing, you know, a rape or death of a family member, it sounds. Go ahead, Doc. Well, where does it go bad? Well, it goes bad because whoever gave her Xanax either didn't know or didn't inquire or didn't consider that she had a history of substance abuse. There it is. So that's the problem with the Xanax. And uh, you're right. Given the circumstances, I don't think Xanax sounds like a terrible idea. She's going to the hospital for a panic attack. But um, you got to consider sometimes doctors don't take into consideration that there's too many doctors that don't understand that people that can't that abuse drugs or alcohol will abuse whatever they're given. I mean, whatever it is. If, if they're going to abuse Robitussin, they're going to abuse Xanax, right? I also think, too, there's something different about people that have a pre-genetic disposition to addiction because did you hear the way that she said it? And they gave me Xanax. Yeah, right. It's like, right. Yes, you're exactly. One of one of the questions I remember being asked by a doctor is, "How did you feel the first time you took an opiate?" Mm -hmm. And I literally said to him, "Like Superman." Mm -hmm. That's not normal. For most people, apparently, that's not normal. And so, yeah, introduce predisposition to substance and. Sorry, I'm totally hijacking. No, let's go to let's go to Xanax now. So you got Xanax, I assume, in the emergency room. Mm-hmm. How'd you continue getting Xanax? He just prescribed it. Okay, he just kept so getting prescriptions. I was Another mistake. six years down the road. Oh, okay. Um, I had also gotten a, in a car accident after that and had a, I had to go through extensive physical therapy. Um, and Did you get you some pain pills? I got me some pain yeah. pills. Yeah. Here we go. Good yeah. combo. Pain yeah. pills and Xanax. That doesn't ever kill anybody. I was going to yeah. say, talk about respiratory failure yeah. resulting in death. Yeah. Yes. Um, but Xanax was my cure-all. Xanax was my DOC. Really what you got And it wasn't, I was fine with pain. I'm fine with pain. It was, I never wanted to feel happy. That scared me. And I was a little backwards in that. And it took me a long time to figure out that, like, love and, and like, connection, that, that scared me. Living mm. in pain or dealing with chaos, that that, that was, was comfortable. That's who you are. Yeah. Right. I mean, that's who you were growing up. That. It's interesting. I honestly built my whole my whole persona around pain, and sure. like, who would I be if I if I didn't have that anymore? Like, I would lose. Ooh, remember that question in the second half. Yeah, it reminds me of the cast. NF wow. song "Happy." Who would I be if I was happy? Yeah. Yeah. Like we, you kind of fell in love and identified with your own misery. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I relate. I get that for sure. I definitely got like this complex of like, okay, all these horrible things have happened to me. This is who I am. So if I don't have like the pain, like that's how I knew I was still alive. That was my purpose. That was like... I was really resilient. People would look at me and be like, oh my gosh, how do you go through all these things? And like, you're so strong. And I kind of, I ran with that and I made it my whole everything. Hey, we're about out of time in this segment, but um, when we come back in the second segment, 
I really want to get to. How did the Xanax? How did that come to a conclusion? Like, how did you quit that, or how what you know what happened to make you get to the point where you quit? And I'm also excited to get into uh, what your life looks like today in recovery. Yeah, you sure. have multiple years clean, right? We want to end on a note of hope, not dope, baby. Yeah. Right? Yeah. All right. We will be back for episode 144 right after this short little sponsorship mention from Steps Recovery Centers. You are listening to We Do Recover with Jared Miller and co-hosted by Dr. Terry Sellers. We'll be right back after this short break with more of We Do Recover with Jared Miller. Brought to you by Steps Recovery Center, Rise Up Subs in the St. George Hilton Garden Inn. If you or your loved one is trapped in the cycle of addiction, there is a way out. At Steps Recovery Center in Utah, we believe in second chances and new beginnings. Our evidence-based treatments, compassionate staff, and supportive community guide you on the path to recovery. It is time to reclaim your life. Take the first step towards freedom, resilience, and a brighter tomorrow. Reach out to Steps Recovery Centers today. Recovery starts with you. And at Steps, there is always hope. Call us or visit our website to learn more. We welcome you back to We Do Recover with Jared Miller, co-hosted by Dr. Terry Sellers. Brought to you by Steps Recovery Center, Rise Up Sups in the St. George Hilton Garden Inn. And now with part two of our podcast, Jared Miller and Dr. Terry Sellers. All right. Welcome back, everybody. Part two of episode 144, We Do Recover with Jared Miller. We've been talking with Bree Dutton from um, from uh, Yellowstone. No, she's not from Yellowstone. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> I got carried away. Uh, about her story, and she is currently stuck on Xanax in the story, not right now. <laughs> um, but we'll get to that in just a second But before we get into back to her story. Part two is sponsored by the Hilton Garden Inn. The Hilton Garden Inn, I don't know if you know this, it's always bright and sunny, sunny and bright at the Hilton Garden Inn. And the Hilton Garden Inn has been a sponsor of our podcast almost since day one. And we love them. They have great amenities. They have great staff. They have lovely and large rooms. And if you are traveling through southern Utah, give them a Google search. Just type in Hilton Garden Inn and give them a shot at your business. So we love them, and thanks for sponsoring us. Okay, back to the story, shall we? Bree, you're on. You're in the story. You got some Xanax for panic attacks, and you kept getting prescribed Xanax and uh, got in a car accident. Got some pain pills, some physical therapy. All right, where are we going from there? Well, we did like six years in... Six, I, got, I went Six in, years of Xanax. Six years of Xanax right. and using pretty heavily. Um, I started dealing. Okay. Um, I was going to say it wasn't always prescribed. No. At some point, if you're yeah. going to be on Xanax, you got to start buying it somewhere. Yeah, I started dealing. Um, started getting in trouble with the law. Obviously, so I got quite a few distributions. What do you mean, started getting in trouble? You started getting in trouble with the law when you were 16. Okay, stop well, it. This is again. Continued. This is again. This, <laughs> Continued we're picking getting up trouble another with the law. part. Okay. Um, I ended up going to jail and doing six months in jail. Um, they released me to rehab, and I did the whole. I took 28 days. Was that too scary? Seriously. Six months in jail. That was my, my first stint was six months in jail. Um, really? Yeah, that was the first time ever doing time, so it, it hit Did you hard. play spades? Yeah, I, I sure <laughs> Did you bet ramen noodles? Absolutely. Texas beef is the best. It's the best People are listening to this like, what are they talking about? Oh. It's the pre-conversation yeah, before we, Sean hit record. Yeah, we have these stupid <laughs> little things that click things in our brain. So Absolutely. Um, so six months. So you get out. sober time. You get out, you go to treatment. I go to treatment. Where'd you go to treatment? Uh, Horizon House. Okay. Uh, took the twenty Sandra Bullock movie of like twenty eight days a little too seriously. Did a twenty eight days and left. <laughs> um, at that point, I was white knuckling it. I didn't really know if I wanted to be clean or not, uh, but I thought I'd give it a shot. And that first time in recovery, like it was just an uphill spiral. Like everything just started working out and everything just beautifully fell into place. And so that, I was like, oh, this is what recovery is about. Yeah, I'm gonna do this. Ended up getting pregnant and having my second son at that time. And everything was so good. So after the 28 days, it sounds like you were able to hold on to some sustained abstinent time. I get to about two and a half years oh, each okay. time. Good job. And uh, then I go back out. 
That's so, been your pattern. That has been my pattern. Uh, I had never made it to three years or a thousand days. I had never made it to a thousand days. I always fell off right before then. Um, weird. Like, it's weird that some people have patterns like that. Yeah. Yeah, I've heard people say, for some people, it's hard to get clean, which that was me, right? I was always running from and avoiding the withdrawals. For other people, it's hard to stay clean. Yeah. Like, they can get clean, like, pretty relatively easy, but it's the maintenance that they struggle with. I've heard the, I, I've heard the dumbest things. Like, I, I treated a guy that, that would relapse every presidential election year. And it's like, move to move to some place where they don't elect presidents then. I mean, come on. M- move to England. There's a king there. And he never changes. Um, but, okay, so you had a pattern two and a half years, two and a half years. Two and a half years, two and a half years. Huh? Um, I ended up opening my own cleaning business in Canab. And I'm like, I'm going to get on some Adderall. Can you hold on? Oh, no, yeah. Can you do you the cleaning clean. lady jingle that you had? Take it easy. Call Fabrizi. <laughs> wow. Oh, I love wow. it. Yeah. I love it. So yeah. the name of the company was Fabrizi Cleaning Services. Fabrizi. Take it easy. Call Fabrizi. <laughs> that is just darling. Isn't it? Yeah. So Adderall, great Adderall. idea at the time, you think. Adderall. Like. Then Adderall quickly went back to uh, painkillers. Uh, believe me, I could clean all day, all oh, night. On, Ad- on Adderall. Yeah, I, I, I went. And some people on painkillers. Did painkillers do that for you, too? So Xanax, painkillers, all of it is an upper for me. Okay. Zan- or the Adderall kind of brought me back down. Yeah, okay. It's so you have terrible ADHD. Yeah. It's crazy how means. they affect people so differently. It is weird, isn't it? Yeah. So I'm back in it. Um, I, I end up getting in trouble pretty quickly. Uh, I had kidney failure. Oh. Whoa. Yeah. I I go really wow. hard. Well, I, I go out. I'm starting to get um, that. I'm starting to get yeah. that from this story. Yeah. Was the kidney failure related to the substance abuse? Yes. Hmm. Um, it's a negative consequence. Yeah. But it wasn't enough for me. Sure. Yeah, that's not um, that negative. Come on. I got out from another jail sentence, pled into drug court. Um, this time in recovery sucked like everything was hard like I kept my kids when I was using I I kept everything in order to follow through with the drug court regiment um you know I I didn't I had to work I had to do this I had to do that I had to go to classes I didn't have time for my kids I had to ask my parents to take them and it felt like recovery just sucked this time around it was really hard for me to like go with it and I got really bitter um and then I ended up having to do a back surgery in mm. the middle of drug court. Wait, you had to do a back surgery? Like you were the surgeon? <laughs> I had to have it done. No, okay. <laughs> yeah, no, so I had back surgery. Um, I started using Kratom. Man, your body is just getting beat up. Hammered. <laughs> Hammered. It is. It's um, really clobbered. So I ended up getting in trouble in drug court. They test for Kratom? They did a special test because really? they heard people were using. Okay. Mm. Yep. And I ended up getting kicked out of drug court at 18 months of drug court. I was just about ready to graduate, and they kicked me out. And I got sentenced to prison. I was going to say, when you get kicked out of drug court, there's ooh, only one alternative. Ooh, that's not a good direction. Yeah. 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 So I ended up getting sentenced to prison, and this whole time I— I just lived in a huge victim mentality my whole life. Like, that was the only way that I, like, I can't take blame. My husband did this. My parents did this. And like, and your uncle did that. My uncle did that. Right. If, and this is not, none of this is my fault. Uh, well, early on, that was true, though, right? It's not right. a made-up story. Like, some of the stuff that happened to you, you had to move towns because of something that someone else did right. to you. But I lived in that. So, but it's easy to see. You were taught that, though, as a young kid. So yeah. don't beat yourself up, up over that. We do have to change that eventually to get better. Right. But don't beat yourself up over it. It's, it's It was taught to you. Yeah. And I learned how to use that and manipulate mm. with that mm. very well. Sure. Um, you get to, a lot of pity. Exactly. Yeah. And I needed that to be able to thrive and do what I needed to do. Sure. Um, going to prison was a 
best thing that ever happened to me. Oh my gosh. Can you imagine somebody that doesn't have addiction as an issue ever saying that? Like the no. Or their reaction when they hear it. Right, like, wait, right. what? You're right. Yeah. My my um, my normie wife has been around this long enough now that she would understand what that statement means. But when she first heard it, it's like, come on, how can going to prison be the best thing that ever happened to you? How was it the best thing that ever happened to you? For the first time in my life, I was away from family. I was away from friends. I was away from responsibilities. Like I got to learn what, who I was like, okay. what do I believe in? What, what do I want out of my life? What do I like? What's my favorite color? Like I I wear I wore that mask for so long that I had no identity. I didn't know who well, I because, was. Well, because right the the way you wore the mask that you mentioned earlier was distraction, distraction, distraction. Not as many distractions in prison. No. <laughs> or substance abuse, substance abuse, substance abuse, and hopefully in prison you're not right. using yeah yeah chemicals. She was using yeah. ramen noodles though. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny. Some people think though that they're, and I don't want to go get off on this tangent, but you can get high incarcerated. Like there's oh, yeah. still there's, drugs there's in there. There's drugs Absolutely. in there. So yeah, like there when is. people are like, well, I don't count my clean time for the year I did in county jail. It's like, well, I I counted my clean time because I had the opportunity and chose not to. Well, that's the thing is you can count your clean time if you're clean. Right. right. Many people don't make it through jail clean. Yeah. Did you make it through jail prison clean? I made it through prison clean. Um, I remember writing a note to drug court when I was right before I was about to get kicked out. And like, it was the most sincere, genuine thing I'd ever written in my life. And I really mm. meant it. And they told me, you cried wolf too many times. Mm-hmm. That hurts. And then I like, that, that hurts. I'm finally me. not crying wolf. Right. I'm finally sincere. I'm like, I'm finally sincere for the first time in my life. So for me, I would usually just be like, well, I'll show you then. You know, and right. self-sabotage. But I'm like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do everything I said in that letter. I'm gonna make mm-hmm. it, and like that was a huge turning point in my life for like me. Like a self-manifesto. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. So I did a, pretty... a little under two years in prison, and got out and went back home. Did pretty good for a little bit. <laughs> got to I my... keep thinking we're at her we rock go. bottom and then it just Here keeps... We go. It's like an optical illusion. The closer we yeah. get to it, the further we're almost away it <laughs> We're almost there. That was another two and a half years that I had gotten mm. clean. Stayed clean for two and a half. Stayed clean for two and a half. Relapsed. Pre- new president got elected. Absolutely. To, yeah. mm. um, but my absolute turning point where everything changed for me, I relapsed. I had been kicked out of drug court before um, in this relapse, I, I called my tracker from drug court and I told him I need help. And mm. he showed up and he didn't take me to jail. Mm. Um, and for the first time, I wasn't punished for making a mistake. Like I reached out for help and someone actually showed up for me. Um, and he took me to Hope Rising to detox and then I went on to steps. And that changed. My whole perspective. What year is this? Everything. 2020. 2020. So my clean date's August 25th of 2020. 2020. Uh, Uh Uh-oh, you've made it past two and a half years then. Yep. Yep. (laughs) This is the first time. We're almost at three and a half years now. Wow. Amazing. Good job. And in that time, like, I was talking to you of, like, I I did this list of intentions, and, like, I, I wrote it out. And it was, I met you in a parking lot. The first time, go ahead. The first time me and Bree ever meet. Go ahead. We were up in Hilldale. I was living in, like, the Zion Suites, just. She was living out of her car. I was pretty much living out of my car. car full of stuff. And I meet him, and he's like, I'm Jared Miller, and I'm doing a podcast. Well, so I was meeting her to get clothes for a significant other that was in treatment, and I was an intake coordinator and marketing guy. So I met her to get some clothes for a significant other. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. And he's like, I'm going to start a podcast. So I remember writing my intentions list at one point. Um, and as of today, I have gotten everything This was one of your on things? The end. This was one of you them. You were going to be on the podcast. I was going to be on the podcast. That's so cool. I was going to buy the house. I was going to get the new car. I was going to work at Steps Recovery. I was going to get my kids back. I was going to get off probation. I was going to go back to college because it was the scariest thing I've ever done. And 
I as of today I've completed them all. So, so it's time cool. to make a new list. Yeah, it is. That's great. Yeah. That is so cool. I'm going to tell you a brief story that'll get off track just a second. But uh, I met when I first met Jared. He was living with my brother, and uh, uh, they were. Were you living in his basement? Or yeah, were, yeah, I was renting. You were living in my brother's basement in in uh, Ivan's, and um, he told me a little bit about his sobriety. And I said, "Dude, you've got a really great story. You need to tell people that story." He was sort of early-ish in recovery at that point. And I said, you need to tell people that story. That's a really good story. And I'm not going to go further with that. Look where you are today, too. You are not only are you telling it, you're broad, like you're broadcasting it, right? So the only reason I told you that story is because you mentioned that you work in addiction medicine and you told me your story. I Back then, I did not share my story. I was still very yeah. much in yeah. that shame and that mm-hmm. like self-damnation about what had happened. And so, yeah kind of cool that one of the things that meeting doc and sharing with him it set me free and i love that this podcast gives people the opportunity like you today to set a goal come on share your story so cool set yourself free yeah yeah way to be in the light the darkness isn't as cool as it looks yeah, yeah awesome so i'm interested all in- right let's move on then we got stuff now she's clean three and a half years well talk I, about I, that I wanna, period of time i want yeah i was just gonna say i want to back up so so you go to treatment right detox and then you go through treatment what was that like what what were your struggles in early recovery because honestly the majority of our listeners i feel like are probably people in early recovery looking for some motivation looking for light at the end of the tunnel so what was that process like for you and what what advice would you give somebody in that situation let's see no this time i don't know i i go into steps I had been, I'd done so many rehabs and whatnot, but I guess this time I was just ready. And I got really deep and really into like trying to connect with myself and taking that time. So I know that my pattern is I try to just stay super busy or I try to stay in the chaos or I would just go straight to working and like overwork, but then I'm still not there for my kids. And like, there was no meaning in that. So this time around, like, I finally went and got a sponsor for the first time in my Mm. life. I did the meetings, and I I did all that. I also, um, I started doing Reiki classes Mm. and learned how to do Reiki um, and just some self-healing there. And that was really deep for me. So did you do the whole gamut of treatment, residential, day treatment, IOP? Did you do the sober living thing? Like, let's get, what did that really look like? Let's get like a detailed. I did the detox and I did treatment after treatment, after residential. I, I didn't do any further. You didn't do any outpatient I didn't do any outpatient, but I did end up going to, um, a different therapist and I did weekly, um, individual sessions, individual sessions just to stay on top of it and checking in um and that's really all i did and then go to any meetings at that point oh yeah i did meetings all the time okay um and in in my story i i got to work at steps i went exactly a year clean and went back to steps to ask to work for them and i had to return back to jail um for a pending charge at Mm. 20 months clean i remember that yeah Yeah. i remember that um, it's like this time in recovery for me, how I said one was so easy, one kind of sucked. Like this time was, if this is what you really want, prove it. Mm. Like I lost my best friend at the beginning of recovery. Mm. I end up get, got, getting a lot of money in the first part of recovery. Uh, you know, all the things that mm, usually bad. take, I had to do two surgeries and all these things, I walked through clean. Like I set up such a good foundation and for me getting that sponsor reaching out and just having that connection was and getting in touch with myself was like so deep and profound for me that like no matter, you know, I went through, you know, my my spouse using while I'm clean um, Mm -hmm. every single thing that tripped me up. In, in the previous past. times, yeah. I've actually had to walk through this time. And I went back to jail, and I went back clean, and I came out clean. And I just kind of tried to switch my mindset to, like, there's a reason for this. 
like and through all the things I went through like I can see where like it all worked out as a pattern like had I not been through this I wouldn't have been through this this is why I was here this is you know and how it just perfectly pieced together and it wound up like the pain and the awful stuff like turned out to be something really beautiful like and something that I appreciated and I think like the biggest thing for me is I got I always thought it was like strong like I earned all this strength and our like these badges and sure. put on yeah. the put on the armor you know to keep yourself strong and like they were badges that I had gotten but I finally found out that and realized like the strength came from taking that off and taking your armor off and returning back to like love and yeah. reaching out and helping people and being human. Yeah, being human. Yeah, taking off the Teflon, you know, tough person mask and and be willing to be vulnerable and connect with other people. That's that I, I hear that's what I hear is the difference in your story. Right? Like all the times you did it before you were doing it by yourself. This time around you're willing to take a suggestion, get involved in some fellowship, get connections, a sponsor. There's a big thing about accountability. When somebody else is holding you accountable, think about it. Even in other industries like personal training, a big part of why you hire a personal trainer isn't maybe necessarily for their knowledge, but because when you don't always want to wake up and be at the gym at six o'clock in the morning, if you have a personal trainer holding you accountable, most likely you're going to be up and meeting the trainer at six o'clock in the morning. You see it, you see it in treatment services all the time. People will do great as long as they're U8 either you know, a couple times a week or once a week or whatever it is. And then when they get back on probation, they only have to be UA'd once a month. They don't sometimes always fare too well. Looked like you had a thought, Doc. It wasn't very important. Oh, okay. It's, it's not worth stopping for, for sure. I, I think the, the thing that I see in this is the, is the shift in mentality of, so before it was always all of these terrible things keep happening to me, and of course I'm using because I've I've had all this terrible stuff happen to me, and now you shift back towards accountability. I am responsible to not use, regardless of the fact that bad stuff kept happening to you, right? I mean, it's not like the bad stuff stopped all of a sudden. Right. It's not like the reason that you kept using all of those reasons went away. They didn't. They were still there, but now you you realize that as a person who's accountable to remain clean and sober, that no matter what happens to you, you still have to stay clean and sober. Right. And so yeah, we don't blame it on other people. If we do, we're gonna stay we're gonna stay high. Yeah. Do you feel like working in recovery has helped your recovery? Absolutely. Yeah. What do you do at steps? Um, well, I started out as a tech. Okay. Um, and now I. Where people start. Yep, and I love that. I worked. Yep. I was a graveyard tech, so I just stayed night life for a long time, and then make sure nobody's sneaking out of their rooms. Yeah, and, yeah. yeah. no breeding except recovery. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. Um, now I'm over at their outpatient facility, and I'm the office manager. And oh, sweet. Yeah, and I'm over there sober living. Medication what? management. Medication Man, you management. Do you do a lot. Sweet. Yeah. I love that. You started out as a tech, didn't you? I actually started off even lower than a tech. I was a nights, weekends, and holidays transportation person. Oh, wow. <laughs> you had all and the then responsibility. I a, then I became a tech and, yeah, case manager and yeah. marketing and intake. Yeah. I, feel I, like I was fortunate to skip the whole tech thing. <laughs> I, I value my time as a tech. I had this weird degree that made, me, yeah. that, that made me not do the tech thing. I loved that. And you got an I love the tech thing. I don't, I would, I don't think I favorite. would have hated the tech thing, but yeah. I, I'm also glad that I didn't have to, like when I came back to work in the field, I didn't have to start at the $10, $12, $16 an hour jobs. Yeah. They're harder. Yeah. For sure. I, I think that being a tech helped me figure out what I wanted to do in this field further. Um, I can remember one night somebody came and they wanted to leave AMA and there was a policy that you got to turn in a 24 hour notice. And I, <laughs> I told the guy like, I don't know. It was genuine. I didn't know where the freaking piece of paper was. And so I'm like, just c come sit down and like, talk to me. Like, what's going on? You know, what are you thinking? And he sat and talked for 45 minutes straight. And the only thing I said was like, dang, dude, that's tough. 
right? The entire time. And then he pops up and he's like, man, thank you so much for talking to me. You uh, got a lot of really good insight. And he left and I'm like, I didn't say uh, yeah, anything. I didn't insight a thing. But creating space for somebody to share mm -hmm. their crazy cycle thoughts and their overwhelming emotions and their... Like, man. Well, and who can do that better than a tech? I mean, yeah. they, they will open up to techs sometimes more than they will therapists or... I agree. Just create space. Or yeah. anybody. Love so, the front lines. <laughs> what does your future look like, Bree? Life in recovery. I know you're in school. You're working, you know, with, with us. What are some goals? Oh, gosh. Now I got to set all new goals again. Yeah, um, she's accomplished everything yeah, she set. I'm done. No. <laughs> That's why we're going to set some new goals. Yeah. Uh, no, no I... So I'm taking a little pause from school right now, but I plan on going back this August. Um, I just want to finish school. I'm going to do for a sudsy or sudsy or a sudsy. And um, I don't know yet. There's a lot. There's a lot in store. Still trying to figure all Still that out. Still trying huh? to figure everything. Well, let's out. talk before hey, you go into therapy. Let's talk. I got we're, some pointers. We're about out of we're about out of time. <laughs> One thing you'd like to tell our listeners about recovery, what it's brought to you. Um, gosh, I guess the one thing that always stuck with me is just the hope of hold on pain ends. Um, you don't have to stay stuck in the cycle. And if you just keep showing up, what, like, it it turn, it works out. It turns out. All right. Surrender. Thanks, everybody. Bree Dutton, what a beautiful story. We appreciate you coming on the podcast. This has been episode 144. We do recover. Join us next week. I don't know what we got next week, but we'll have a podcast probably next week. Anyway, thanks, Bree, for coming on. Thank you we for joining it. us today on We Do Recover with Jared Miller. Help us spread our message of hope. Like, comment, and share. If you have any topics or ideas for future shows, please share that on our Facebook page. That Facebook page is We Do Recover with Jared Miller. If you or a loved one needs help, please reach out to us. Again, thank you for listening. Brought to you by Steps Recovery Center, Rise Up Subs, and the St. George Hilton Garden Inn. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast do not reflect those of its sponsors.